Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, our praise team, our choir, all of you for taking part in worship this morning. Thank you so much. I pray the Lord is honored and glorified by what we've done in regards to worship. You brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 14. Today we want to look at uh, verses 8 through 15. Exodus chapter 14. Verses 8 through 15. About three weeks ago, I began a sermon series entitled Lessons from the Red Sea. I want to go back to that. I did a part one. I want to do a part two uh, today. I'm going to try to finish up today. And to help do that, I'm not going to review uh, all that took place during part one. But let me just refer you to our website, Mount viewbaptistchurch.org and it comes up look for uh, sermons and uh, archives and you'll find that on uh, October the 6th and just go back and, and listen to that sermon you'll get part one but lessons from the Red Sea uh, we dealt with part one God will deliver you from perilous places and this is all about the children of Israel leaving the land of Egypt coming out of bondage, coming out of slavery, and they get to the Red Sea. They found themselves in a perilous situation, hopeless situation. The Red Sea in front, Pharaoh's army behind, mountains on both sides, and they didn't know what they would do. We find ourselves in situations similar to that, where we think things are hopeless and there's no way out, and it's a difficult time, and we just want to throw up our hands, and we don't know where to go or what to do. But just remember, when you come to that point as a Christian, God will deliver you from those perilous situations, those perilous places. Then we discovered another lesson the Scripture teaches us about the consequence of a hardened heart toward God. If you remember, Pharaoh continued to harden his heart, harden his heart, wouldn't listen to the message of God delivered by Moses to let his people go. Let my people go. God says, let my people go. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he hardened his heart, and he hardened his heart. And then the Bible tells us that God hardened his heart. So there comes a time where there's a consequence of a hardened heart toward God. And God withdraws his spirit from that person's, uh, that person's life in that he's, his convicting power over that person, convicting that person of a need of a Savior, uh, then he just withdraws himself. And he leaves that person to himself or herself. You know, the Bible tells us in, in Genesis, God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And so there comes a time when God speaks so much and for so long, God says, okay, I'll just leave you to yourself. And then you don't hear the knock on your heart's door. You don't have that conviction in your life. And that's very serious. So be careful. Be careful even today. Do not harden your heart. If you're here without Christ, you need to be saved today. Don't put it off because this may be that, that unseen line. There's an unseen line before everyone, in front of everyone, where if you cross, God has perhaps withdrawn his spirit's convicting power over your life in regards to salvation. And that way, you don't. it's not important that I seek after God anymore, and you lose that desire. 
And so be very careful. So the lessons, part one, God will deliver you from perilous places. And then the scriptures teach us about the consequence of a hardened heart toward God. Today, lessons from the Red Sea, part two. Let's look, if you will, at Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued. That's the key word, pursued. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. He pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Boldness is an important word. So, being pursued by Pharaoh, but they had gone out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. There's that word again. All the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pharaoth before Baal Zaphon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and beheld the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. King James says, sore afraid. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? They're saying this to Moses. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, we'll serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity I have to share your word today. I pray that you'll give me the words to say, the right spirit. Father, that you will help me uh, physically as I stand here and proclaim your word today. Allow your spirit to go to every heart here. And Father, I pray at the invitation time, people will make the decision as you call them to make. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lessons from the Red Sea. If you're taking notes, point number one, I just jotted down. These scriptures teach us about experience and freedom. Experience and freedom. You see, when you get saved, all of a sudden you find yourself free from sin. You find yourself forgiven of your sin. You don't find yourself in bondage anymore to the devil. You have the power to resist sin. You don't want to sin. You're tempted to sin. But you don't want to sin because you're a new person. You're a new creation in Christ. So when you get saved, you get freed. And this bondage of sin is over. And so I can say as a Christian, you can as a Christian, I've I've been freed in Jesus Christ. I'm free in Jesus Christ. If you'll notice verse 8, the Bible says, the Bible says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness, Important. Notice, the children of Israel went out with boldness. Uh, New King James says boldness. King James says went out with a high hand. The Christian Standard Bible says they went out defiantly. So here you had a bunch of slaves, and all of a sudden, cowed down, cowered down because of Pharaoh, and now they're leaving with boldness. Something happened. They're going from a cowered down slave Now they're rushing out with boldness, not thinking about anything, but just leaving with boldness. So the question is, how did they go out with boldness? Well, you'll find in this passage that they went out 
by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ with boldness. You see, the only thing that will wash your sins away, it's not the baptismal waters that will wash your sins away. Some people have this misconception that if I'm baptized, I had a guy one time that come up out of the water, and he says, he got up to the top of the stairs, and he said, Brother Sam, there's a lot of sin in that water. <laughs> no, that water didn't wash anything away. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from your sin. And so the only thing that will wash your sins away is the shed blood of Christ. The only thing that will keep you out of the devil's hell is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The only way that a person can have their sins forgiven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you remember, God told Moses, as they instituted the Passover, God told, he told Moses to have every family to take a lamb. I want every family to take a lamb. I want them to sacrifice that lamb. I want them to catch the blood of that lamb in a basin. And then I want them to take a hyssop limb. A hyssop was something almost like sage grass here. And they use it for, they'd use it for a paintbrush. And I want you to take the blood out of that basin, and I want you to take the hyssop, and I want you to, to strike. I want you to paint the lintel, the door lintel, the top bar. I want you to paint the sides of the door. Just, just hit that with that blood. Very important. Hit it with the blood on the top and on each side. Tell every family to do that. And then when the death angel passes through, those behind the blood will be spared. And that night, every family behind the blood was delivered, and every household that wasn't behind the blood, they died, including Pharaoh's family, the firstborn. Now listen, the gospel never changes. The gospel is eternal. Therefore, the Passover in Exodus 13 symbolizes the blood flowing from the crown brow, thorn crown brow of Jesus Christ, symbolizes the blood coming from his nail pierced hand, symbolizes the blood coming from his pierced side, coming from his feet. All of that symbolizes this precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us on the inside, changes us on the outside, and brings forgiveness to our sins. It's the blood that breaks the power of sin. It's the blood that breaks the power of lust. It's the blood that breaks the power of drugs. It's the blood that breaks the power of addiction. It's the blood that breaks the power of temptation. So the point is this. When they realized the power that was in the blood, they went out with boldness. <laughs> and that's the way we need to live our lives. Have you realized the power in the blood? But then why are you living such a humdrum life? A lot of Christians come to church on Sunday and they wouldn't smile if you got them down and goosed them real good. I mean, they just have no victory whatsoever. You know what I'm thinking? You don't know what the blood's about. You've been freed. You've been forgiven from your sins. If nothing else, you need to be shouting because you're not going to hell and you're going to heaven. It's all about the blood. The Bible says the life is in the blood. It is. Change your heart out, get a new heart by, you get a heart transplant, thing keeps ticking and ticking. Take the blood away, it's a whole different story. It's in the blood. So my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. I don't have anything to be ashamed about. I'm free because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first lesson is we can experience freedom because of the blood. Number two, 
the Egyptians pursued them. Do you see that in verse 9? starts out, so the Egyptians pursued them. Now, when you get saved and you come out of the world with boldness, always remember that the devil is going to pursue you. You're not free from the devil once you get saved. Now, why is the devil going to pursue you? Because the devil is upset because of what? Because you got saved. I mean, he wants you back. He can't take you to hell, but he can make your life miserable here on earth because he wants you back. He's going to pursue you. Old friends will pursue you. Those you haven't heard from since you ran around and bar hopped in high school or college or what have you, you haven't heard a word from them, and all of a sudden you get a friend me on Facebook, or you get an email, or you get a tweet, or you get whatever else they send out. You know what that is? That's the devil pursuing you. And so he'll pursue through old friends. Old friends will pursue you. Old sins will pursue you. You'll be tempted with alcohol. You'll be tempted with, uh, with um, uh, immorality. You, whatever your weakest point, uh, whatever your weakest point is in your life, you'll be tempted to go in that direction. And so that's why we need to be in the house of God on Sunday. That's why we need to be in Sunday school, studying God's Word. That's why we need, and, and being in part, being, uh, being part of that Bible study class. You have some information, you've studied, you've researched, you've got something that can help that class grow. If you'll just come and be involved in that small group, it'll help you and it'll help those that are there also. So you need to press on in the house of God, in small groups, in discipleship training. You need to press on growing in your sanctification because you know why? The devil is in pursuit of you. Don't ever forget that. Number three, jot this down. This is a lesson we'll learn from this passage. Then there's the lesson of staying calm. Staying calm. You know, individuals are going through a hard time. Some of you are going through a difficult time right now. You shared some things with me. You're going through a difficult time. As an individual, families are going through difficult times. You know, there's problems with jobs and problems with children and problems with a spouse, problems at school, problems with children. Or just, you know, it's, you know just this, this past week, a couple, three days ago, uh, Shane was in the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, there was a, there was a teenager there. and he, he had a reaction to an e-cigarette, unconscious, unresponsive, Thought he had died. Regained consciousness. Thank God for that. People are having problems. Families are having problems. So the point is, whatever your problem is, you need to stay calm. Stay calm. Verse 10 says, they were what? They were sore afraid. So if you and I are going to be living examples of living faith and not dead faith, then we're going to have to get a grip over what we've heard about all morning in our singing. We've got to get a grip over fear. If we're going to be living examples of living faith, not dead faith, but living faith. One of our greatest presidents, 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, during his inaugural address, he said these words. He says, we have nothing to fear. But what? Fear itself. The point is, fear is your enemy. Fear is my enemy. 
if you think, if you think the problem is the enemy, whatever you're going through, that's not the enemy. The problem you're experiencing is not the enemy. Fear is the enemy. Remember Kyle saying a few minutes ago, fear is a liar. Fear is your enemy. And so you'll never break through with victory as long as you're paralyzed with fear. And fear is tool of the devil. Listen to 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God's word says, For God hasn't given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and of sound mind or sound judgment. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So the point is, if you have a spirit of fear, where did it come from? Did it come from God? It didn't come from God. Where did it come from? It comes from the devil. God didn't give me or you a spirit of fear. But your spirit of fear, our spirit of fear, comes from the devil. So fear is the devil's tool. He wants you, he wants me to be a, a nervous wreck overcome by fear. That's his purpose. Now, what's God's answer to fear? It's real simple. He says, do not be afraid. My goodness, do not be afraid. Now, why is that so important? It's important because did you know that fear gives way to panic? So you have fear, then you have panic. Did you notice here how they feared Oh, they saw the Pharaoh coming, and they began to talk to Moses, and you brought us out here to die, and you should have done what we said to begin with. We should have stayed back and been the slaves there in Egypt. We'd have been a lot better off. And then fear moved them from seeing Pharaoh till they began to speak against Moses, and later they began to speak about against God. And so fear moved from fear, moved them to panic. They were panic-stricken by their fear. And so now, they're fussing and complaining about Moses, but who brought them out? God brought them out. And so fear enters in when we get our eyes off God. If you're fearful today, you know why? It's because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Every time I get afraid, and I, and I do, I'm human just like you are, I find that I take my eyes off Jesus. And, and I've allowed the devil to put that in my mind, and put that spirit of fear there. And I had to get refocused and get my mind back on Christ. Remember Simon Peter? Man, he sees Jesus coming. Jesus walking on the water, you know. And, and Jesus said, come on, Simon. Peter steps out of the boat. And he's got his eyes on Jesus. He's fixed. And he's walking on water. He's walking on the water. He's going to Jesus. Then all of a sudden, he's sidetracked. He sees the waves. And he looks around. And he notices the effects of the wind. And all of a sudden, he became fearful. And he began to sink. And so the point is, fear overcomes us when we take our eyes off of God. The Egyptians are coming, the Egyptians are coming, the Egyptians are coming, and they forgot all about God. So, listen, remember this. When your eyes are on your obstacles or your problems, that's when fear moves in, and that's when panic, panic is produced. So the Bible speaks about their fear, speaks about their panic, and then it speaks about their God. So Moses addresses the people there in verse 13. And uh, they get kindly give old Moses down the road. Uh, and Moses said to them, verse 13, Do not build friends, stay, 
do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he'll accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. Now, Moses was a good pastor. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I don't know what I'd done if I began to get blamed for all the mess they found themselves in. Uh, Moses didn't have to say what he did. I mean, you know, he could have come out in the flesh. I may have done that all. You know, this, we're told that it's anywhere between 5 and 9 million people. Theologians believe it's between 5 and 9 million. That's a lot of people. And all of a sudden, you start hearing all this complaining. I can imagine myself. I'm thinking, listen, I'm tired of hearing about this. I didn't want this job. I was minding my own business. I was on the backside of a desert. I, don't, I don't, didn't want it. I told him four times I didn't want it, but he wanted me to do it anyway. I told him I couldn't talk right. I mean, couldn't talk plain. I stuttered when I talked, and he still wanted me to do it. He spoke to me out of a bush, and I said, no, I don't want to do it. And he says, yeah, you're the one. I'm going to send your brother along to help you, and you, you're saying that you're mad at me, and you don't like me. Hey, that goes both ways. I don't even like you either. I probably would have told him that. <laughs> just being honest. But Moses didn't do that. He just calmed down and he said, hey, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So we had to get our, he was a good pastor. He said, don't be afraid. So we've got to get our eyes back on God. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Found all through the Bible. Fear not. Do not be afraid. You see, when that phrase is used in the Bible, it comes, at, it comes every time at a critical time in a person's life. When the Bible says, fear not, or don't be afraid. Genesis 15, Abraham, he was old. He was, he was pre-ark. That's old. He was before the ark. And there in Genesis chapter 15, God came to him and God says, listen, from your body, from your loins is coming a boy. And I'm going to take that son and I'm going to build a nation. And when you lay down at night and look at the stars, your ancestors are going to be as, as, as many as the stars you see in the sky. It's just going to be a great multitude of people. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, he starts out by saying, and don't be afraid. You see, it seemed impossible to Abraham he said, don't be afraid. It seems impossible to you, but it's possible with me. Don't be afraid of impossible things. Don't underestimate your God. He can do anything. Judges chapter 6, verse 12, you have Gideon. Oh, Gideon, he's down in a wine press. He's thrashing out wheat, you know. He's just a common man. He's just a farmer. He says he's the least of the tribe. He's hiding out, you know, and all of a sudden God came to him and said, listen, you're going to be the one I'm going to use to defeat the Mennonites. And he says, no, not me. He says, yes, old man of valor. You know, the angel said, old man of valor, you're the one that I'm, God's going to use to defeat the Mennonites. And he says, that's, that's not going to happen. But a few days later, great things happened. A few days later, 120,000 dead Mennonites were strode everywhere. 15,000 was on the run. He had a posse after them trying to chase them down. See, God does impossible things. Notice what he says. He says, stand still. Stand still. They're getting ready to do something. A bunch of Baptists probably, you know, let's do something. You know, we'll just do it. 
And a lot of times we'll say this. We'll say, well, don't just stand there and do something. You know what God says? Don't just do something, stand there. Sometimes it's good just to stand there. So they were getting ready to do something in their own self-effort according to their own human reasoning. And listen, when you panic and you get your eyes off the Lord, you're normally going to go to the wrong person or persons to get counsel. I see this happen from time to time. I mean, if you want to get out of the will of God, the devil will provide transportation for you. Remember, last week, uh, Brother Gary spoke about Jonah, and all of a sudden goes and he takes a boat down to Joppa instead of to Nineveh, you know, and, got, and, and there was a boat. Transportation was furnished. Devil provided transportation for Jonah. Devil provided transportation for you to go the opposite direction that God wants you to go. And he'll put some ungodly person that you're seeking counsel from to tell you what you need to do. My goodness, you'll go to the wrong people who will tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. I see this happening all times, so don't fear. The point is, stand still. Come to the end of yourself. Come to the end of your self-effort in your own reasoning and say, God, I can't do this. Only you can do it. And so don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Stand still. And then he says, see. Now, that word see is really important because that word in the Hebrew is connected to the English word room or space. And so these people were there by the Red Sea, Pharaoh's behind, mountains on both sides. They were constricted. They had no room. They had no space. They had, they had no wiggle room whatsoever. The sea, the army, the mountains on both sides. And he says, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. And so God, through Moses, is saying, listen, stand back and see. Stand back because I'm getting ready to give you some space. I'm, giving re I'm getting ready to give you some room. I'm getting ready to take the pressure off. I'm getting ready to deliver you. Stand still and see. He's not talking with the human eye, but he's, he's talking about the eye of faith. Do you understand that faith is the eye of the soul, that faith is the eye of the heart? Do you understand that faith in God is simply believing God because God said it? you understand that faith is belief in action? Do you understand that worry begins when faith ceases? You worried about something today? Your faith has ceased. But at the same time, worry ends when faith begins. Hebrews eleven twenty nine reflects on this Hall of Fame of Faith, referring back to the children of Israel there at the Red Sea. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty nine, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. So because, can you imagine this? Because of the peeling back of the waters. Just think of how that water was. And think of the size of the crowd. The ones at the end couldn't see all the way to the other side of the Red Sea. They, they couldn't see. They, they, you're five to nine million people, perhaps. The point is, they had to cross in faith one step at a time. Couldn't see in head. They just walking by faith. Friend, fear not. Stand still 
Through the eyes of faith, you believe that God's going to bring about what He's promised to you. In closing, look at verse 15. Verse 15 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now think about this. They dealt with their fears. They got their eyes back on God. They've ceased being self, self-sufficient, giving forth a self-effort. They're totally dependent upon the Word. They're seeing through the eyes of faith, meaning if God says we're going over, we're going over. Then all of a sudden, echoing all the way through that crowd, I believe every one of them heard it. The cows might have been bellering, I don't know, but I believe they all heard it. And Moses shouted out, Move forward! Let's go forward. Move out. That may be what God's saying to you today. When the invitation is given, you need to move out. Some of you need to move out and ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Just come and humble your heart and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you came and died on the cross for my sins, and I can't save myself no matter how hard I try. And, Lord, I humble my heart, and I just ask you to have mercy on me and save me. Some of you need to move out and make that decision. Christians perhaps need to move out and make a commitment for a deeper walk with the Lord today. Some may want to move out in a deeper, seeking a deeper knowledge of Jesus through Bible study. Move out in a more full surrender to the Lord Jesus. Do you know why you don't move out? Most people are too busy going around in circles. You come to church, go through the motions, then you go back into the world, you feel defeated, begin to make some bad decisions. You know, uh, doing things you shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden, come back to church. And it's not about growing as a, as a Christian. Some of you are here this morning, and it has nothing to do about growing with a, for, uh, as a Christian. It has nothing to do about moving forward in your Christian life, your sanctification. It has nothing to do with developing Christian character. It has nothing to do. What's my spiritual gift? It has nothing to do with that. How can I use my spiritual gift? It has nothing to do with that. How can I be used of God? It has nothing to do with that. Coming to worship Him in spirit and in truth has nothing to do with that. You're just going around in circles. If you've been saved, you need to leave the world behind and go forward and never look back. Remember Lot's wife? Jesus said, hey, you need to remember. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Lot takes her by the hand. He pulls her out of Sodom and Gomorrah. All of a sudden, fire begins to fall from the sky. And she nearly got saved. But she turned and went back. You know the rest of the story. And so when I give the invitation, just a few minutes, it's this way. It's not that way. But it's this way. You come to Christ. Don't walk out without Him. This is the way to be saved. This way. When there's no way out, see in front, 
army behind, mountains right and left, nowhere to go in any direction, but you can always look up. And when you go up, you're going to find your way out. Got to move a mountain or he'll bore a hole through it to get you through it. Because you're going forward. And because you're a child of the king. And because he has a purpose and plan for your life. Let me give you some wise advice. Just Christian counseling. Get saved. Start your faith walk today. Discover the incredible journey that God has for you. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. What do I do? Real simple. Fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. And move out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to share this morning. Take these words, the word of God, words I've mentioned today, apply it to the hearts of people. Lord, that uh, today they'll move out. Those who need to be saved will come forward. Those who need a deeper commitment will come forward. Those who, who desire to have a deeper knowledge and Bible study and fellowship and a new commitment there, that they'll come forward. Rededication of life, come forward. We, we live victorious because of the blood. Help us to always remember that in Jesus' name.